You're listening to episode 27 of the Broken Glass Podcast, building a music career while working full-time with Anita Fay. You're listening to the Broken Glass Podcast, a podcast with a mission to highlight women in the music industry through their stories, from their successes to their trials and tribulations. We'll share tools and resources available to you to make your music dream job come to life or to start that business you've always wanted to own. But most of all, you'll be a part of the Broken Glass community where we support and encourage each other and open the doors to working in music. I'm your host, Christy Jacobson, entrepreneur, music lover, wonderluster, and dreamer. Welcome to the show. This podcast is sponsored by The Contract Shop. The Contract Shop provides contract templates and all the legal documents you need to run your business. And best of all, it's designed with a creative entrepreneur in mind. When I needed to update my website's privacy policy in terms and conditions to be in compliance with not just the EU's General Data Protection Regulation Policy, otherwise known as GDPR, but with the new California Consumer Privacy Act, CCPA, the Contract Shop was there for me. These contracts are not only attorney-prepared, but are also peer-reviewed, so you can feel safe knowing it's not just some form that I threw together. There are templates for all kinds of creative printer needs, so head on over to brokenglassmediallc.com slash thecontractshop to learn more. Welcome back to the Broken Glass Podcast. Uh, Today I have Anita Fay, a Las Vegas inspirational singer-songwriter. So Anita, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're doing now, and then we'll kind of take it back and get into how you got into music and, and into singing. Yeah, great. First of all, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to, you know, engage with you today. And, you know, I am someone who has grown up with music as more or less the center of my life. Um, I gravitated to it at a very early age. My mom even jokes and says that when I was a kid, down the hall, she thought in the middle of the night that someone may have snuck in the house or broke in. And she was initially alarmed and then she found me and I was singing to my stuffed animals in the wee hours of the morning. <laughs> <laughs> um, just having a good time, and I guess holding my first concert. So um, that was a first indication, I think, for everyone that I may actually enjoy this thing called music and um you know so i've grown up around it um grew up in church but also was exposed to so many different genres of music from classical to rock and um jazz which i absolutely love um and blues and and just having that sensory excitement of of hearing how people can just take music in so many different directions it really spoke to me and um, even in school i studied music um, including playing instruments Um, my first instrument was the violin that didn't last more than a year and then i switched to clarinet um, played that through middle school and into the first probably year and a half of high school um, or two years of high school i think became first chair but then my interest in sports and uh dance uh took over and then i was also singing in the choir so um yeah it's just uh i define myself as a creative being um who happens to have you know multiple interests and i've been able to put all of that together um and have some exciting years in my life that's amazing and yeah i was a clarinet player too so um, yeah <laughs> yeah I did I did it actually through um, from middle school on through college um, I went to 
undergrad for music industry and part of our program was to we had to play an instrument so um, I played that for several years so it's been a long time since I've touched it but um, I do try to still stay in the creative realm as well like you. That's amazing yeah that's that's great I love clarinet um, you certainly went a lot farther than I did. <laughs> yeah hey, but first chair is nothing to, to knock it's that's you know that's that's a lot of work put in to get to that so. That's true that's true. Yeah so what interested you about making music kind of like your career? Because I know you do work outside of music, um, but what, what was that that really interested you in really getting involved? And I, I know you, you say you're creative, but really kind of making that, or trying to make that your career. You know, for me, um, it, it, it comes back to what nags at you and continues to pull you. And no matter what you might explore or different interests you engage in, or, you know, this thing called life where you ha actually have to eat and, you know, <laughs> uh, have a roof over your head and stuff. I mean, there's obvious necessities that we all have to contend with, right? So there's that. Um, but no matter what I did, and, you know, I did get my degree degree. Um, I went to college, so I studied um, psychology as an undergrad. I started to explore music, and it's funny because this actually ties directly to your question. One of my uh, counselors at the time, um, you know, we were doing our, our check-in, and, and this was in my probably freshman year, and of course, everyone wants to make sure that your declared major is, you know, what you think it's going to be. And a lot of um, first-year students do end up switching their majors. And I was sitting with my counselor and or advisor, uh, academic advisor, and she said, "Really, you you want to major in music? You know, so many people want to be singers or aspire to be the next big actress or whatever. What's your fallback plan?" You know, what are you going to do to really provide for yourself? And it jarred me because I thought, well, how dare you question that I'm going to be successful? Of course I'm going to be successful. I had all people tell me I know how to sing and I write music. And, but it really like shook me because I thought, well, I don't exactly have a fallback plan. And then you hear uh, of these elite uh, artists like the Denzel Washingtons of the world that say, oh, you know, I didn't have a plan B. This had to work. It just had to work. I was just never a person who thought I should also starve for my art because I grew up in a household where I had fortunately very strong women, but my mom was a single parent raising three daughters and she had help from my grandmother who we lived with after um, moving back from Tennessee. So I was born in Tennessee in Chattanooga, um, but uh, moved to California probably around age four because that's where my mom was from and her parents. Um, so we lived with my grandparents until my grandfather passed away a few years after that. And then it was just a house full of women and strong independent women who were just day by day trying to grind it out and make things happen because that's what we had to do. Um, and so that was the model that I saw and that's the pattern that I needed to emulate and say, okay, well, you know, how am I gonna make my way in this world if I'm waiting for this big break that could be elusive for some years to come? And so having that conversation with my advisor, I thought, well, you know, maybe she's right. I could always do music. No one can take that from me, but you know, do I have to major in that in order to still satisfy my passion? And so 
that's when I started to really explore other pathways um, as far as the what I was told was a practical reality, right? right. Um, versus all these creative endeavors. And I say that with a little bit of sadness because I don't want people to think that it's okay to just accept someone else's worldview for your life and that that's what you need to do and to give up on your dreams or your passion. Um, I certainly never gave up on my passion. I just allowed myself to think, okay, is there more than one way to go about what I want to do? And am I approaching it in the way that is going to ultimately satisfy both of my needs, you know, the day to day, as well as this thing that I know I can't live without, which is this passion that's inside of me for music. Right. Yeah. And I, like, I always say too, that if you're going to major in, in music, excuse me. And if that's what you, you know, you want your career to be, you know, I really think that you not necessarily a fallback, but you should really be take some courses in business or, you know, something that's going to complement their career as well as something that could be separate too. Right. Yeah. Have that knowledge because, you know, going into a music career, you really do need to understand, you know, business concepts and, you know, you might not necessarily go through four levels of accounting, but to really understand kind of the basics of it all. And then if, you know, for whatever reason, the music side just, it doesn't work out, you lose your passion, you know, you just can't get to the level you want to, you at least have that experience and that knowledge of, you know, how to make it in another area. Absolutely. And for me, you know, I, it wasn't like my genre was classical, although I did study some classical and I love the operatic uh, style of singing. I fully enjoy it. I've um, sang a little bit of that in college. But um, if you're going into the orchestral area, if you're you know, seeking to be a conductor, if you are doing some a lot of things from a music production standpoint, um, if classical is your genre, like I think there are certain disciplines within music where it absolutely makes sense to major in that and really have a structured approach to studying it. Um, but for me, I knew that, you know, all of the pop stars of, of the day, um, you know, they weren't saying, oh, yes, and by the way, I got my, you know, bachelor's or my master's from XYZ school or I studied at Juilliard. Like that just wasn't. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, so that was the other thing that I was like, well, do I technically have to have a degree in music for <laughs> the field that I'm exploring? Probably not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you do work full time um, and also manage your career. Um, how do you handle the hustle of that all? And is there such a thing as having it all for women who are juggling a traditional work career while keeping their passion alive in the arts? Um, I know there's a lot of women here who are working full time and trying to build up their own artist career. So what, what, how do you handle all of that? prioritization honestly there was a point in my life where I thought oh I can do it all you know just like the the Shaka Khan song and you know I'm every woman or uh, yeah no there is no such thing as being everything to everyone every day so you have to pick your battles you have to choose what your top focuses and really prioritize those things or else they never happen and you become jaded really quickly. And I've been in those phases of my life where I thought, well, I can just still somehow manage to do it all. 
you can do the things that you make a priority. That's what I would say, first of all. And so for me, it's really taking a careful look at my schedule and saying, okay, if these are my goals and objectives, how am I going to get them done? And then from a practical standpoint, where do I carve out that time? And really being honest and saying, am I a morning person? Am I a night owl? I happen to be a night owl. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, for me, a lot of my creative juices um, just naturally tend to flow in the evening hours, which works out great when I'm off work. And I can do things like recording and scheduling studio time and working with musicians. And um, a lot of my writing happens sporadically. I can't control when a new idea might, you know, come over me. But, you know, if you're taking your lunch break and you can sneak out and jot some notes and start, you know, um, recording some audio to not lose what you're hearing in your head, those little moments and pockets of time add up collectively. I think a lot of people, women especially, are guilty of this. We think, okay, well, as long as I have this block of time, then I'm going to, you know, make this the day that I do X, Y, and Z. And we put all of these really lofty expectations on ourselves. And then we feel guilty when something happens that derails us and we can't get that done in exactly the way that we envisioned it at exactly the time that we originally said we were going to block it out. And then it turns into this downward spiral. But it's like when you go to the gym and you're working out, you don't just go to the gym on a Monday and say, Ooh, okay, I'm going to get all this cardio in and I'm going to do these reps and focus on buys and tries today. And then, and, but Tuesday rolls around and something comes up or you're sick and you can't go to the gym. Do you just give up and say, I better cancel my membership? <laughs> yeah. I missed Monday and now it's, whew, it's all downhill from here. No, we somehow realize that in order to get in shape or stay healthy, that it's a process, it's a journey. And we have to daily, you know, do these little disciplinary things in order to build up to the lifestyle that we want. It's no different with creative um, elements, music, whatever your passion is on the side that you just little by little, day by day, chunk away at it. And collectively over time, it will add up. Right. Yeah. I mean, I do the same thing too. And I love that analogy of the gym. That is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, yeah, I love that. Um, do you have any, like, you know, you mentioned making things priority and, and, and chunking out your calendar. Do you have any systems and processes? Like, are there any tools that you typically use or do you just use pen and paper and a, uh, you know, physical planner to do that? Um, so I'm going to answer that question by starting at the 30,000 foot level. <laughs> For me, honestly, and I really, really started doing this um, within, I would say, the last four or five years. But at the end of every calendar year, and I, I like this question because it helps me to really think about the fact that we just transitioned from, you know, 2019 to 2020, I will journal and sit down and just really be still. And it's not too late for people to do this, obviously. We just started the new year. But I will say, okay, what are all of the things that I really want to focus on? And what does my life look like in the next year? What am I already grateful for? What did I learn? What were the big lessons from this year? What don't I want to take into the new year? And what do I want to focus on in the new year? And then I will write out a vision board. And 
come into basically like six big categories of my life, um, my career focus, my relationships, my health and fitness overall. Um, I'll look at financial, like do I have goals for myself in that area? Um, and what about my personal growth and development as well as just time for you know, fun. What do I want to do for adventure or just to, you know, feed myself with rest and relaxation is travel part of the agenda for the year, right? And I will put together a vision board and try to incorporate things that inspire me, photos, quotes, etc. And that helps to set the tone and the direction for the rest of the year. And it's something that you can visually look at and say, okay, even if Tuesday was a bad day, don't forget your true north. What are you really striving for? What are you pressing toward? What are your goals? Because it helps to set the prioritization when you do your calendaring and your scheduling time for yourself. So I block out time. I definitely use my Outlook or my um, calendar a lot. I've tried different um, organizational tools like Trello, I think has a free version that people can use. Um, Asana is another tool. I mean, there are certain um, things that you can tap into. Google Docs is great because if you're coming across things online or it's like, oh, this is a really cool resource for musicians or artists or whatever. Yeah, this is great. I should download this template. Um, then you can use Google Docs even when you're on the go. So little things like that. I just try to cultivate um, ways to stay organized. I have a, a whiteboard in my um, office um, at home. So, you know, I, I put notes up on that. And honestly, I just keep a notebook with me everywhere I go. Um, whether it's using notes on my phone, whether it's having a notebook in the car, um, because you never know when inspiration is going to strike. Um, and then once something else comes up, it could strike an idea for like, oh, this would be really good on social media. Um, and then it, it turns into five possible posts instead of just the initial post that you thought about, the more you're capturing those ideas and then you can start scheduling that stuff. So for me, it starts with what is the overarching plan for the year? Where do I see myself? What is my real focus? And having that somewhere in your house where you can always reflect on it or take a picture of it um, and put it on your phone and make it your, you know, screensaver or something. I don't think that's the proper term anymore, but um, <laughs> your wallpaper, yeah. um, and, and something that always reminds you, because it's really, really critical that you keep yourself number one. And so many things, so many people will take your time and attention, including work, including, you know, family or whatever. And it's unintentional on their part, but no one's going to look after you more than you are. So unless you put those visual reminders up to say, no, 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 this is what I'm about. This is what I'm pursuing. These are the things that are important to me. You always have to remind yourself of that or else sometimes you can't get off track. I love, yeah, I love the idea of a vision board. I actually did one for myself this year for the first time Ooh. and it really helped me to, like you said, to think of that overall picture for the year. Where do I want to go with, you know, my business, with my, my full-time job? Cause I also work full-time, um, and along with doing my business. Um, and I think it's really helpful to not get stuck in that moment. Like, you know, you mentioned just, you know, you can really see it. This is what the goal is for the year. I got derailed today, but I'm still on the path to get to that. Exactly. And, you know, I used to not do that. And then I started listening to all of these gurus that I used to just sort of shoo-shoo and say, ah, yeah, that works. <laughs> 
<laughs> right. Um, but the more I started studying it and really even understanding um, things like the laws of attraction, I thought, huh, if I am honest with myself and I look back over time, I can see how a lot of things either did or did not align just based on the expectations I had. If you have no expectations, then you're going to live according to someone else's goals. If you set your own expectations, then you'll live according to your own goals. It's no different than us having to check in on the job and we're doing things that are someone else's agenda ultimately because they created the company or, um, you know, they've got these ideas on how much revenue they want to make every year and you're just part of that corporate agenda. Um, but someone sat down with an idea and pen and paper and said, oh, I think we should you know, build this or we should do this. And then from that came companies and from those companies came industries. And then that's where we sort of fall in line. So we create our destiny with the thoughts that we have about what we want our life to look like. Right. Yeah. And it's almost like you need to kind of sit down with yourself and give yourself a one-on-one, <laughs> you know, like, yes. you know, check in. I, um, I manage about five employees at my full-time job and I always check in with them once a month. And it's almost like you need to do that for yourself, right? Just take yes. the time to check in. Okay. You know, this is my vision. Where am I going for the year? How have I progressed to this point? You know, and, and just kind of go through all that. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so do you have, I mean, other than, you know, a lot of what we just discussed, do you have any uh, tips for artists who want to be more of like that musicpreneur rather than just a musician and really want to build their career? Yeah, I would say educate yourself, read as much as you can. Um, resources are out there. Um, you can go to Amazon and Barnes and Noble or what have you, but even YouTubers and people that are talking about ways that you can, um, grow your business as a musician or an artist. I find those particularly helpful to just get inspiration from other people and to think creatively about, um, and this is where journaling also becomes helpful because you can just do like a brainstorming and, and draw circles and say, okay, what are some ways, like for me personally, what are some ways that I can use my voice? Well, obviously singing, um, which includes recording my own material or doing things that would allow me to become a backup you know, or session singer to help other people, um, which I've, you know, done that as well. Um, singing on stage, um, putting shows together. You can also become a voiceover artist. You know, you can use your voice in more than one way. And there are services that are out there that will allow you to audition and then to, of course, um, tap in and uh, start making a side income doing that kind of work. So I would say it starts with really education um, and finding out those pathways where you can realistically start with where you are, know what you can do based on the amount of time that you have in your week, and then go from there and start pursuing other things. Licensing is another um, opportunity, sync licensing and getting your music and um, film or television. Um, there are services like Song Trader. I don't want to necessarily recommend one over another, but you know, there's a lot of services that are out there where people can start exploring and you don't have to sign up right away, but you can just read about, okay, how does this work exactly? And, you know, what are the opportunities and how would I get paid? But the nice thing about some of these platforms is you can hear 
samples of songs of other people that have submitted and have been successful and get a, a feel for what types of music they're looking for and the styles they're looking for. And it, it helps to orient your mind toward, you know, what, from a business standpoint, you can do. Um, and I think even putting together just a real brief plan, you know, it doesn't have to be more than one page. Like, you know, this year I'll explore opportunities in these three, four, five categories, um, and then start doing some homework around what are the opportunities that exist in each of those areas. Um, and the more you start thinking of it as a business and approaching it as a business, I think that will orient you to move in and really find those opportunities for yourself. Yeah, I love what you said about putting together a plan. Um, and I think that's very important for people to really just put it all together. And, you know, you had mentioned, you know, going online and there's so many resources out there today. Like I've actually found Pinterest to be uh, like a mecca of, of resources. Um, and at one point I always thought it was, you go on Pinterest, you find a really pretty picture and you post it to a board. Yeah. <laughs> It has become so useful for business too. Um, people are sharing, you know, their their blog posts on how to use Instagram, how to use, how to write a blog, how to build your business. Like, there's just so much there too, and I think that's also a good resource to to really find material, you know, and ed education material to learn how this business thing works. Absolutely, yeah. It, it, I'm glad that you mentioned that because that's one that I often. Um, overlook a lot um, but Pinterest is great for that and it, you're right it's definitely more than just oh here's how you can design your living room <laughs> yeah. and that's what I thought it was for the longest time it was you know okay I want to get my hair cut let me go on Pinterest <laughs> yeah prepare you know this this jacket with a pair of pants what you know what color pants should I wear I always thought it was like that and then I can't even remember how I got really introduced to the business side of it but it just opened a whole world right? It was like, oh my gosh, there's just so much on there to really learn about. So, you know, don't yeah. knock Pinterest anymore. It's, it's for business. That's for sure. Exactly. <laughs> and I think, you know, you, you bring up something that it, it sparked another thought for me, which is um, as much as it's great that there's all those resources available to us online, which is amazing, you can also get overwhelmed by it. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> you know, because it's like, oh my God, and this, this, and then you can sometimes feel like, well, I'm not on top of anything. And, and that can sometimes, you know, t make a, a step backward for you and, and put you in a slump. So I would say having that quick business plan where you say, okay, here are the things that I know I've always been curious about or always, you know, wondered if I could explore, write those down. And then as you're coming into these incredible ideas and all this, you know, innovation is in front of you online, that will help you orient yourself and say, okay, well, maybe not this year. Maybe that is something I'd look at next year. I'm not as excited about that, but you know, you don't want to get into a rabbit hole where you get overwhelmed. You know what I mean? Right. And it's easy to get into a Pinterest rabbit hole. That's for sure. <laughs> I've done it. I'll be like, it's midnight. Why am I still on the computer? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, I want to transition a little bit. I really want to talk about your, your artist career, your projects. Um, so you've released three projects to date. So tell me a little about that process of creating each, getting it out to the world. And did you do them independently or did you bring in outside help? I, I really... It really fast because I'm not an artist myself. So I really like to hear other artists' stories and how they get to where they are. 
Yeah, it's a great question. So each of them was a technically independent uh, project. My first project um, was with working a pro we worked with a producer out of uh, Detroit, actually someone who was sort of big in the gospel industry, which was the first um, central genre, I guess, that I classified my music under. Um, and it was a good experience. Um, it was nominated for a finalist entry for the best gospel album of the year in the International Independent Music Awards. So that was exciting. Yeah, um, congratulations. That's incredible. Yeah, thank you. Um, and, you know, it taught me a lot just in terms of what that whole process looked like to not only record a, a project, but, you know, put it out and try to get some, you know, radio play and um, explore distribution and all that. And it's, it's so much work, um, you know, to put something out independently. But the beauty of that is you own all of your masters and, um, you know, you basically just have to pursue the opportunities for where you can get your music uh, placed or, um, you know, different entries and submissions and, and whatnot to get a broader awareness over your, your music. My second project was an EP, so um, wasn't a full, you know, 10 or 12 or 13 tracks, but that was good in that, um, you know, I was also able to work with a, a group of musicians and collaborate, and it, there's just something magical that happens when you um, not only are vulnerable and you open your your art up for other people to you know take a piece of it and help enhance it because you you're definitely like oh I'm not sure about this <laughs> I wasn't quite hearing it that way but then you sit back after a couple of days and you're like wow you know I never would have thought of that I love the direction that this is taking and it it just it continues to just increase and expand you as a creative being because you're you're sort of living vicariously through the ears of other people that are hearing a different um, element and a different way that you can approach and style the music. So I love the creative process from that standpoint and just putting together, you know, a piece of work that is a reflection of, of all of that collaboration. Um, and then my latest project, um, also independent effort, is one that has 13 tracks on it. And what I've learned, you know, in this arc of, releasing one after another, um, not back to back necessarily in terms of time frame, but um, just, you know, continuing to, to put music out is, you know, with the advent of so many new services that are out there and social media becoming more prevalent, you know, it just, it allows me to think about all of the different untapped um, areas of potential that there are to, to get my music out there. And I will say this time around, I'm working with um, a PR um, agency, um, McCain and Associates out of Nashville area. And so that has been different for me because I'd never enlisted the help of a PR person before. Um, but I, I think if you're in a situation or a position where you can do that and you can start to really explore for yourself opportunities that you wouldn't necessarily have been able to um, open for yourself, that it's definitely a good investment um, because it helps to put sort of air cover over your brand and expand 
the scope of, of the number of individuals that are ultimately going to be exposed to your music. Um, and so that person can help you do things like, you know, get interviews, um, obviously press releases sort of go hand in hand with that. And uh, some TV appearances, um, which I did at the latter part of 2019, um, around October timeframe, uh, some live TV appearances, and we're, we're working on more of that for this year. Um, so it just, I think from a business standpoint and just in doing things on an independent basis and releasing music, you just have to be smart about how you structure your team. There's so much that you can do on your own, but I will say it's a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot of work. Um, but it's not impossible. You just have to, you know, understand that you need to pace yourself and you need to be in good health. Right. <laughs> Uh, and it's going to demand a lot of you uh, in terms of time, attention, and energy, honestly, and focus. And for those things that you just, when you're honest with yourself and you say, practically speaking, do I have the expertise for this? Do I have the time for this? Um, and how much more effective and efficient would it be if I worked with someone? And then I think that will help you to understand where you might have gaps um, where you can't do everything yourself and you need someone who can come in and assist you. Right. And so we mentioned working full time as well. So you're doing all this prep while you're working your, your full time job. Um, yeah. And it's, it's a lot to release, just even just to release an album, never mind do all the press yourself and all that. So I think that's a very smart business decision to find somebody who has an expertise in that area that can help you you know, find all of that and, and, you know, research for who to interview with and, and everything. Yeah. And, and honestly, it gives you your sanity back because if you try to do all of this, and I think, you know, I will say particularly as women, um, going back to what we talked about before, sometimes we do have this, I can do it all and I can conquer it all. And, you know, I am superwoman. No, you're not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you are a super phenomenal, wonderful woman. I have no doubt about that, but no one can do everything. And this is where I think, you know, when you look at our male counterparts in the world, um, you don't see them doing that. Like, uh, you know, man doesn't get hung up on, um, I didn't do it all. Therefore, you know, I'm lesser than, um, right. You know, I, people don't know how to do plumbing. I mean, I, I know some men will take an attempt and may later <laughs> screw things up. But, um, you know, when we have an issue and something breaks down in our house, we have no problem picking up the phone and saying, I don't know how to do this and I don't want to screw it up, right? You call right. it an expert. And I think we have to cut ourselves some slack in other areas of our life and, and look at it the same way and say, if I don't have the expertise why am I sort of under this false notion that I should be able to, in three months, study up on it, come up to speed, and then suddenly become an expert and just do it all on top of juggling everything else in my life? No. You know, call a plumber. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in, in our music business, we need to call plumbers and we need to call electricians. Like, there are people that serve a role that have expertise that we should be able to leverage. Yeah. And I think that all kind of comes down to mindset too. Right. And, and, um, and really, I think a lot of us you know, try to, um, I guess more or less prove ourselves, you know, that we belong and that's why we try to take it all on. But I think it's important, like you said, to, you know, call the plumber because 
you know, that, that proves that you're strong too, and that you're willing to, to, to make changes and to be flexible and to really, you know, enlist people to make your career the best it can be. Exactly. Exactly. And when you're managing, and this is where that word really kicks in, when you're managing your career, you have to recognize that part of management means allocating resources. Exactly. So you need to be smart about, okay, if I'm not a person that has the bandwidth to do all of this, then I need to tap in and find other resources. And like you said, you manage, you know, people um, in your day to day, I do the same thing. And if there's ever an issue where it's a staffing um, deficiency, right? Sometimes you have to look and say, do we need to hire a part-time person or a seasonal right. employee? Or do we do, can we justify another full-time person to come on board, right? That's managing your resources it's, and, and looking at the allocation of resources. So we have to look at our business as a personal brand and a creative, you know, individual in the same way. Um, and, and, and managing your own career doesn't mean doing it all. It means managing your time and managing expertise. And if you don't have that, looking to someone outside who does. Yeah. I love that analogy. And, you know, I, I've, I do a lot of analogies too, but I, I really, you know, up until this point, I really never kind of connected it to, you know, managing people and the managing resources So that's, I love that. Um, that's perfect. And for anybody listening, you know, take Anita's advice because you can't do it all. So find people who can help you. Yeah. And you know, yeah. sometimes, get really fortunate, blessed, lucky, whatever you want to call it. And you'll find people in your own inner circle who are willing to help out. And you don't always have to pay someone um, to do things, right? Sometimes you can even barter and somebody may love the expertise that you have in certain areas or your skill set. And you can say, hey, you know, would you mind helping me with this? Because I know you've got some experience in it. Just if you start asking around and you're not afraid to be vulnerable and, and admit that you don't know how to do everything, you'd be surprised the number of people that will show up in your life or people that you previously hadn't tapped before. But when you look at your inner circle, you're like, oh, wait a minute, I could probably ask this person for a favor. You know, and there are people that are willing to help you out. Um, my husband, technically as my manager. Um, we've got a lot that we've got to, you know, flesh out for 2020, but I don't have to worry about if there's ever an opportunity for a booking or, or engagement or, you know, some other things that he helps to explore. I don't have to worry about being on the job and trying to pick up the phone and deal with music matters as much because, people know to call him. Um, and so that divide and conquer actually gives me a lot of peace of mind, but he's more than happy to step in and do it. His day is structured differently than mine. And so we approach it in such a way where we're sort of, you know, helping to co-manage to facilitate things. But I'm sure there are people in your life, you know, when you look around, you can figure out who can do that, whether it's your mom or your aunt or your sister or brother, you know, someone is going to be willing to say, yeah, I'll, you know, I'll be that person who will serve as your primary point of contact. Maybe it's someone who's retired, like my parents are retired. And if there's ever anything that I needed to lean on them for and ask them to help out with, they're more than happy to do it. But it's also because they have the bandwidth. So I think when you're in a creative mode and you allow yourself to just re 
envision who your team could be and could, could consist of, sometimes you don't have to look any further than the people in your own family. Right. Yeah. And I know too, um, you know, as you build up your career and as, you know, for me, as I built up my business, you know, finding networks online and meeting people, um, you know, I've met a lot of women through um, some really amazing Facebook groups. Um, You know, my first guest on the podcast, I met her through a non business group actually. (laughs) Um, So it's really too, you know, kind of, you know, creating your own, like someone said to me the other day, find your tribe right? Yeah. Find, find that group of people, find that group of women or, you know, industry professionals or, or whoever you know, your tribe is to really kind of tap into that. Yes, it's so true. It is so true. And I think that's something that we don't leverage enough. Um, but there's so much strength and power in that. And in just the whole, you're not alone. You know, the other people, as much as you think you're struggling through different things, trying to figure it out, other people are doing the same thing. And and that camaraderie and that support, I think, is also super important. Right. Yeah. Um, I want to shift gears kind of a little bit. Um, We this podcast really, you know, highlights women's stories, um, how they got to where they are in the industry. Um, But we also too talk about some of the resistance that we experience. Um, you know, whether it's entering into a job in a professional sense or starting your, your music career. Um, so did you ever come across any kind of resistance as a singer songwriter? Um, and if you did, how did you overcome that? Great question. Um, yeah, I would say for me, um, (laughs) it's this sort of age old, uh, dilemma of pink, trying to be put in a box, right? And everything from defining what your genre is um, and trying to categorize my music, that is something that I still frankly struggle with. Um, I would define myself as an instrument. I would define myself definitely as an inspirational um, artist. And so for example, there's a song on, on my latest project called Angels in Heaven, Vegas Strong, which is a tribute to the victims of the um, shooting on the strip um, from that uh, Route 66 festival a couple right. years in October. <clears throat> um, and it's not gospel music, technically. Um, it's not exactly a country song. It's not quite pop right it's sort of mainstream maybe you could call it adult contemporary i'm not sure um but you know people want to put you in a box and say well but most of the rest of your music you do talk about faith and god and so you know it's really difficult um to just say but i don't stick to one theme all the time and so therefore i'm you know just there's so many different um facets of of what i tend to create or or put out. Um, And I I do think that that is definitely something that is hard to overcome um, because unfortunately in the United States in particular, we are very category centric and we we love our labels and we love (laughs) our (laughs) And we want to put people in one because that's how we want to define the world. And I'm like always trying to bust out from that and say, but no, I'm this and I'm this, I'm right. this and I'm that. No, I do this and I do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that is definitely uh, something that I, I have 
contended with. And the way that I'm, I'm overcoming it now is putting out a different narrative. And that's where, fortunately for me, and working with PR um, expert, we're able to start shaping that language and, you know, categorizing things less about the music itself and more about what does the music stand for. Um, so it's, for example, using that song again um, as the, the core um, definition of what that looks like, we're changing it from, you know, Anita is an inspirational gospel singer-songwriter to, well, this particular track pays tribute to, and it's a, it's a, you know, monument of hope for people that have gone through, you know, tragic situations and, you know, for the loved ones. And, and so you, you, you have to start crafting a narrative around your music, in my case, or other, you know, singer-songwriters you have to tell the story about what the music represents. And I think the more you can get on top of that and, you know, put that on your website, put that on your social media pages, put that on your press releases, the more people will become open-minded to, oh, okay. So even if you don't label it as this, this is really what it means. And then it doesn't matter whether you're a country person or a blues person or, a, you know, a CCM artist, none of that really matters when people listen to a particular song, they hear it for what it's intended to be, which is the story that you've told them about the song. Um, and I didn't do that in my first projects, I will say. Um, so I think that's something that I've learned over time that is really important is, you know, the, there's storytelling behind all of our songs and no one can tell that story better than the people that created those songs. So um, releasing music isn't just about, okay, here's my project, listen to it, I hope you like it. But a lot of people love what the, what's the message? What inspired that? You know, what were you thinking? What were you going through? You know, um, what sort of triggered that for you? And what experiences did you have in your life that caused you to, you know, talk about it or go deep on this subject? People love hearing that when they watch some of their favorite artists in an, in an interview. Um, you know, we don't have liner notes anymore. Uh, we sort of lost that with a lot of the digital music being released, but people used to love, I used to love reading the liner notes and all the thank yous and, you know, a lot of the things that sort of told the story about how the project came together. I, I think it's a shame that we've lost sight of that, but I do think there's opportunities to go out and tell that story. And, and that's how you start to combat, you know, those types of situations. Right. And it opens it up for the future too, right? For you, you can, once you kind of get you know, your audience into that mindset, then it really, like you said, it becomes what's the message, what's the song about, and you can then release, you know, uh, music that may touch on different, um, different sounds and, and that. Yeah. Without really alienating them, right? Exactly. And then it becomes a lot less about, okay, well, we don't have to necessarily, we can define this as this and that instead of, well, it's got to be one or the other. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you had mentioned, um, you know, the, the, the shooting, um, uh, Route 66. Um, and, and I personally, I really didn't grow up with any kind of faith or religion in my life. I'm kind of more, I believe a lot more in that kind of universal energy type of I guess that, that belief. Um, but what advice do you have for people who, you know, may experience, um, you know, disappointments or, you know, s events like that? Um, and, 
like they're kind of struggling in their faith as a result of them. Um, and then, you know, maybe for people too, do you have any advice for people who like, you know, myself, I may not necessarily be religious, um, but, you know, just kind of advice for, for managing those kinds of, you know, events. Yeah, you know, it's, it's so hard because there's a part of us that yearns for things to be logical or for there to have some explanation and people when left without answers um there's a part of your i would say your soul that is left aching because you don't know the why and we as human beings we need to understand the why um before we can move forward um because there is a part of us and we're sort of neuro wired this way where we need to to have logic and sequence it's how we've learned anything it's how we navigate the world it's how we you know know how to stay away from certain things that are not good for us and are pose a threat or are dangerous right we've, we've learned these things and <clears throat> when tragic events like this happen and there's no explanation behind it and you're just like but I don't understand what, why would this occur? And then why my loved one and um, why this time of, of, of our lives and why people that are young and innocent and vulnerable and unprotected, why? Um, the whys that go unanswered, I think are the things that are the most um, devastating. I'll use that word um, because when you compare it to other types of um, losses, like if someone's been sick for a long time, if they suffer from cancer, if they have a heart attack, we understand logically that there's sort of a sequence of events that led to that, right? Right. So we never can get our arms around the 9-11s or the mass shootings, like what goes off in someone's brain where they think it's okay that they can just unleash this hatred and evil on people, um, we never quite understand. And so, you know, we don't have a pat answer for those events. Um, I certainly don't pretend to have all the answers as someone who is a person of faith. But what I do know is when, when you look at everything that's ever happened in your life, and as difficult as it is to accept the fact that the, the negative stuff transpires, it's only in, you know, these real tragic moments that you can appreciate all of the good that really does still exist in the world. And, you know, for me and my husband, he wrote the song and I helped arrange it. It was more of a, you know, this is something where someone, um, this madman, wanted to just unleash some level of fury and with whatever he was going through thought that it was okay to to do this harm to all of these people and it's a sense of evil you know um, that exists in the world and in people's brains we don't know why but we do know that as much as it was um, an attempt to take lives it was also an attempt to create something the opposite of love, um, but love still exists and, and love will always win in the end, I believe, because there are still more good people with good intentions and, and who want the best for themselves and for other people than there are people who are maniacs, um, including terrorist groups that exist in the world that I know we always fight and that there's always a threat and 
thankfully, I don't think the government tells us half the story, right? Or else we'd right. be every day. <laughs> yeah. Um, there are threats that are out there, some of them more imminent than others, um, that we are being protected from. But there, are, there is still, I'm a firm believer, there's still more good in this world than there is bad. Um, and so to, to try and come to terms with it is incredibly hard because we are still left without concrete answers of, but why, but why, but why? We may not always understand the whys, but what we can learn is every single day is precious and it is not promised to any of us that there's gonna be a tomorrow. What are we doing with the gift of that revelation, right? The something comes over you and you're quickened inside of your core when you realize, especially when people are taking away all too soon and, and very abruptly, and you, you have that slap in the face that says, oh my God, this could happen to anyone anywhere. It could happen to my loved ones. It could happen to me. What am I doing with my today? And what is my legacy for tomorrow? And I think that's the biggest lesson that we are all supposed to take away from this, whether we're directly impacted in a personal upfront, very close fashion because it was someone near and dear to us, or whether we're sitting at a distance, but imagining ourselves being in that situation with someone that we loved. Um, and I say that as someone who lost three people this year within the span of six weeks. Oh, wow. Yeah. <clears throat> That's hard. Yeah, it was incredibly hard. And this all happened in um, the latter part of June and early, uh, or the last part of May and, and early June. Um, so, you know, I was traveling back and forth between Tennessee and California, um, California twice, because the two people that I lost in my family were in California, and my stepmother was in Tennessee. Um, and so, you know, when you're faced with this, it doesn't matter what your religious outlook is, yeah. frankly. Um, you just, you have this cold splash of water that comes over you and you're just like numb. And you think, oh my God, like everything else almost disappears. And, and it's hard to describe it, but everything sort of fades to black. And the only thing that you can think about and that you can focus on is this was so unexpected and nothing else seems to even matter. Like you check out mentally in a way that you don't think you're capable of. Um, and every single day you're just like, okay, what's significant? Because it, this, the stuff that I was sort of stressing over the day before or thinking mattered or was really important or deadlines or whatever, it just falls away. I promise you it disappears and you're just like, okay, well, I don't really care about that right now. My focus and my priority is being here and I have to get to my father and I need to be there for my mom. I also lost my grandmother this year. Um, <clears throat> and, and you're in the here and now and you realize in those moments just how precious every nanosecond of life is. Your focus turns to what did I say? What should I have said? What was my last interaction with this person? Did they really know that I loved them? I hope they really, like your mind is there. And I fortunately don't know anyone 
that was impacted in the shooting. Uh, my Some of my coworkers were at the festival, to be honest. They were downtown mm -hmm. when the shooting happened and thankfully they were able to escape. Um, I know other people who have close friends that were hospitalized because they were injured in the event. Fortunately, they didn't lose their lives. But even then, as someone, again, who lost three people this year in the span of six weeks, you immediately go to what is really important in those moments that you have with your loved ones are the only things that matter. And really hoping that they knew how you felt about them and cherishing the moments that you had with them and those those big events and the small events in the life that you spent with them those are the things that you reflect on um and so i would say to people that are grappling with this you know this sense of of loss or or understanding how these tragic events sort of shape who we are um from either a religious or a non-religious perspective, it really boils down to the things that you put your time, focus, effort, and energy on. And for me, a big lesson this year has been making sure that those relationships are the things that you nurture um, and putting life in perspective. And that's, that's also when I mentioned earlier, you have to prioritize. You don't, you don't have a second chance to live the life that you've been given. You only have this one life. And if you're too consumed worrying about whether other people think of you or putting your time on small things that don't matter, because sometimes you can focus on small things and make them bigger, or you can focus on the big things and make them matter, right? right. Um, that's the way I think that we all have to take these ultimate gifts because it's a gift in the lesson of time and how precious time is. Those are the biggest things that I, I hope we take away when we see these things occur and put into perspective this, this idea of gratitude, right? You have to be grateful for the moments that you have, the people that you have, um, and to really let them know how important they are to you. Um, because as tragic as it is, it is also a wake up call for each of us to remember the things that matter the most. Right. Yeah. And I love what you said about gratitude too. And, you know, every morning I actually have a, it's called the five minute journal. And the first question is, what are you grateful for? Yeah. Um, and I love, you know, I, every morning I sit down and I think, you know, what do I have in my life that, you know, I, I'm grateful for, you know, if, if something's stressing me out, okay, what, what is good, you know, what's going on in my life that is good. And, and, you know, that, that really doesn't matter long run. So I, I love what you said about that and, and picking out what matters in life, you know, what's more important, you know, your, that, you know, that stressful situation or your family. So we're going to kind of wrap up a little bit here. What inspires you? Like, do you have any books, podcasts, or people that really inspire you and your music? Yeah. Um, it, it's funny. I have been starting to do that gratitude journaling as well. And every day really just waking up and, and, and being appreciative for all that I have and the people that I have in my life and, you know, the things that I've been allowed to experience and, you know, day by day, just really taking that time to take it in, so to speak. 
Um, and honestly, that is one of the biggest sources of inspiration for me is just looking around and being appreciative for all that is in this world and the things that I have the ability to experience, um, even things that I often am guilty of taking for granted, like my health. You know, there's so many people who are struggling with health and um, even addiction, mental illness, um, ailments, injuries, and to be able to get out of bed every day and stretch and walk and eat and not have problems digesting my food, that is a blessing, right? Right. <laughs> and that kind of thing inspires me. Um, you know, I'm touched by... Um, a lot of work that people do in the um, inspirational um, and motivational category. I listen to a lot of people, honestly. Um, some of them are in the religious realm, <laughs> excuse me, and some of them are not. Um, whether it's T.D. Jakes, I, I tend to gravitate to, I listen to him a lot. I love Oprah. Um, you know, I listen to Gary V from a marketing um, mm -hmm. down to earth kind of in your face marketing perspective who's just you know no nonsense um, and I listen to people that talk about health um, and mental health again I, I have an undergraduate degree in psychology so I'm always fascinated by that and you know ways that we can learn how to um, cope with different things. Um, I read the Bible a lot, so scripture as well motivates me. But honestly, it's when I'm, when I'm quiet and I allow my mind to settle and I'm not focused on, you know, the 100 million things that I need to do either in the week or the, the year ahead or the day, because every day is a little different and the challenges that present themselves <laughs> take a lot of time and focus and energy. But when I'm still, and I just allow myself to take a deep breath and to think about all that I'm grateful for. Um, honestly, it frees my mind so that additional inspiration can flood in. Um, and that to me is the most reassuring thing of all because a lot of the answers that we we're looking for are right in front of us, to be honest. We block them because we're so consumed and we're so focused on anything but those answers that we're looking for. But if we're quiet and we allow ourselves to just take it in, so much of what we need is, is going to be presented and it, it will blow your mind. <laughs> if you, right. I, and I say that as someone who is a recovering type A. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still a type A um, in my core. But I am learning the beauty of, you know, delegation and, you know, allowing myself to be vulnerable and to admit I can't do it all. I can't be it all. So who can I bring into my life or who can I tap um, who understand my journey and where I'm going and want to be there to support me and to help me achieve that. Right. right. Um, so in that recovering type A kind of mode, um, <laughs> I think there's there's so much beauty in in vulnerability because it frees you to focus on the things that you're really good at and to allow other people to flourish in the things that they're really good at too um and that that process then allows you to learn and go deeper into the things that are your true priority right yeah and, and you know you mentioned the answers are around you but sometimes they're just in within you too you just yeah. have to open yourself up to that yeah i I love that. And I love that, you know, 
you take in the world and that's what inspires you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So many little things too, that you don't even, that I'm guilty of taking for granted. And when you do, like you said, that gratitude exercise, it just puts so much in perspective or sometimes I'll be complaining about something stupid in my head or even to, <laughs> yeah. and then I'll walk outside and go on a quick errand and there at, at the you know side of the road, there's people that are begging for change or there's someone in a wheelchair or, and then I'm really quickly reminded like, girl, really? You, you got have good. <laughs> little to complain yeah. about. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I just want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Anita. Um, this was an amazing conversation. Um, and I just wanted to, if my listeners want to connect with you, find out more about your music, where can they reach you at? Oh yeah. Thank you. Um, they can reach me on my website, www.anitafay, Faye is spelled F-A-Y-E.com. And they can find more information about me as well as links to where they can um, get my music. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, Anita. This was wonderful. Oh, I so thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Broken Glass Podcast. If you like the show and want to know more, visit www.brokenglassmediallc.com. Subscribe to the podcast and don't forget to leave a review. Join me each week to hear new stories, learn all about the tools and resources available to you, and get tips for building a career in music. If you're interested in becoming part of a community of supportive women in music, join our secret community on Facebook at the Broken Glass Collective.